Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman and host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and you are listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all day. Oh, oh, day. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Yes, welcome in everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Have an opinion. Hope you're all doing very well and staying safe. Uh, we have a little treat for you today uh, for, uh, to help you get through these strange and weird times. The man who is paid to have an opinion. He is, of course, Mr. Ross Tucker. And we'll get to him straight away because I, I know, ladies and gents, if uh, you had a choice between me talking and Ross Tucker talking, we all know who you're going to go for. So I'm going to give you what you want. Lawrence, one of our retro, our retro guy here at the full 10 yards, was lucky enough to nab him for 25 minutes or so. So I'm not going to keep you waiting any longer, folks. And we're going to get straight into it. Enjoy. Thank you so much. You must be in a lot of demand at the moment. Yeah, there's not a lot else going on, so everybody wants to talk to me. (laughs) Awesome. Should we just get straight into it then? Yeah, heck yeah, I'm ready. So before we start, I've got two very important questions for you, which are dear to your heart. Number one, how's the ballpark pouch? And number two, (laughs) have you got enough daddy sodas at home? So the ballpark pouch is great. Thank you. And uh, yeah, right now I have enough daddy soda, but I'm going through them pretty quickly. So I'll probably end up uh, having to get more sooner rather than later. Thankfully, I got some good buddies as far as that's concerned. Excellent. Excellent. And then like, like myself, I've got two daughters at home. So what are you doing with the two E's, the education and the entertainment side of things at home? So the education, um, they both are doing homeschooling right now or learning from distance learning, I guess they call it. And our, uh, we have a nanny that comes and she is facilitating that on the days she works. When she's not, my wife more facilitates it when my wife doesn't have to go to work. So I'm fortunate in that regard. And entertainment you know, they're pretty good. I've taught them how to ride a bike. We do family dance parties. Uh, we got a, a bunch of land here that we can kind of run around and do stuff on. So they haven't really complained yet. Of course, movies and iPads help at times as well, especially like right now when it's raining. Excellent. Excellent. So totally kind of changing stuff now in talking about the NFL. What did you initially think of the NFL's decision to kind of start the free agency period um, kind of on time, on schedule? Did you think that was a a wise move or have you got thoughts on that? Yeah, so I respected people on both sides of the issue. I didn't really have that strong of opinion on it. I guess if I had to pick, I would have said I thought that they did the right thing by keeping it as scheduled because, you know, once you go down the road of postponing, how do you know when it's a good time to actually have it? You know, I mean, would they have waited till May or June or July? At least now that part of it's over. And really it's just agents talking with teams on the phone about money. I mean, is it ideal? No, but I don't think anything we got going on right now, Lawrence, is ideal. So 
I think you make the most out of what you have. And I think the NFL is very fortunate for both free agency and for the NFL draft that neither one of those are events where you have to have a lot of people in one place and they can be done pretty much remotely. Yeah, I was going to ask about the draft because obviously we're, we're used to now watching the kind of the later rounds of the draft where it's announced by a, a sloth or a dolphin or somebody underwater or God knows what. <laughs> so are we going to get that for the entire draft now, these kind of satellite on-location things for the entire draft? What, what, what are you thinking they're going, to, they're going to pull for us viewers of the draft? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I think a lot of it early on will be Roger Goodell from a studio or from his home. And I don't know what they'll do with the rounds after that. I don't, I mean, I'm sure they're going to try to make it interactive as much as they can. I know they're trying to get cameras and microphones into a lot of these different top prospects. I got to be honest with you, Lawrence. My favorite thing about the whole thing is always the highlights of them as college players. I don't really – I don't need to see him on stage hug, hugging Roger Goodell. I don't – I mean, it's cool to see him, yay, and, and celebrate for five seconds, but I don't really need the interview after that either. I'd rather hear the analysis from guys, and I'd rather, I'd rather just see their highlights over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I, I did a bit of a historical um, article about the draft, and back, in, back when the first draft had, came about in 1938, do you, do you know kind of how it all came about? And it was the Burt Bell, the owner of the Eagles. He was getting bitter that people were transacting with each other, other teams, and he wanted to make something fair. So he proposed a draft, tanked, the, the Eagles tanked in 1937. So they got the first pick of the draft and that first draft was held in Philadelphia. So kind of, this is all kind of near to you, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm from like a narrow west of Philadelphia, and I do a lot of stuff in Philly, including the Eagles preseason games. So uh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And that boy, that changed everything uh, in so many ways. I think most people would argue it's a good thing for the league itself. Probably not ideal for the players, but for the league and, and trying to have competitive balance, it's a good thing. So on that note of the draft – Talk to us and, and talk to our, our listeners about your draft experience. So it was very different from most, Lawrence. So I was sort of a bottom-of-the-barrel prospect who not only did I know I was not going to get drafted, I was very much on the fence as to whether or not I was even going to get signed and be one of the 80 guys on the offseason roster and go to a mini camp, go to training camp, et cetera. So I was in a much different situation than most guys are. I remember my agent telling me before the draft that it was about a 50-50 chance. And you have to understand, Lawrence, it's second semester of my, my senior year of college. So unlike all my college buddies who are going out and drinking every night and you know, trying to rabble rouse with the girls and everything. I'm like going to bed early. I'm getting up early in training. And if I had done all that and not gotten signed, 
that would have been tough. That, that would have been very difficult for me to stomach. But I guess I looked at it like, you know, I got one shot at this. I'll only really regret it if I don't try. So I gave it a chance, and man, am I glad I did. I sat there. I watched the whole draft. I had my dorm phone, my cell phone that I had just gotten. It's 2001. I had just gotten a cell phone March 2nd from my birthday from my parents. And I got called twice by the Bengals, ironically, to tell me that I was on their list of guys they were interested in potentially for after the draft. And my agent had told me, that if I didn't hear from him, the longer it took for me to hear from him, the worse of a sign that was. So I sat there for like an hour after the draft, never heard from him, and I'm starving at this point. And so I, you know, he didn't, I don't even know if he had my cell phone number or I took my cell phone. So at times were different back then, man. So I go out to like our fraternity and I eat and I, I'm like, I can't even look at my buddies. Like I, I am so upset. I go back to the to the place, uh, to my dorm room. My, I hear my phone ringing. I run up the steps, grab the phone. It's my agent. And he says, you have signed with the Washington Redskins. You know, minicamp starts Thursday. And I was just ecstatic. I run right back out to the fraternity. And I go to the back and all the guys and girls are drinking, having a good time. And I just said to my buddies, Redskins. And they all went crazy. And, I mean, I still to this day get chills just telling that story. That was a special, special time. That's brilliant. And then, so did you have any teammates or close friends that, that did get drafted? Was there anyone kind of around your, your network that kind of got drafted at that time? Well, so – one thing that helped me is I had two other teammates on the offensive line that were prospects too. So my roommate, John Ravishay, got signed by first the Giants, then they failed him on his physical, then he got signed by the Browns. But our other offensive lineman, Dennis Norman, had been at the Combine and got drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. So people taking a look at him was a big reason why I got some looks as well and that really helped me and so it must have been a, a, a just an amazing experience kind of that that first kind of first week first month at the Redskins what what are some of the big abiding memories from that that first that very first period of joining the Redskins well so what's so weird about it Lawrence is the Redskins the year before as you know in 2000 they had signed a bunch of Big name, high priced free agents. Old yeah. People. yeah. Yeah. Guys like Jeff George, Bruce Smith. So, you know, I get that call Sunday night. I got to be down there Thursday. I still have a couple months of school left. You know, I'm not graduating till early June. But I go down and I'm, I'm there for minicamp. And the first thing you do is you get a physical. So I'm getting a physical that day on Thursday, April 25th or whatever it was, 28th. And I'm looking around, and I'm about to get an EKG on my heart, and I'm right behind Jeff George. And then I look over, and I need to get blood work, and I'm sitting next to Big Daddy Wilkinson. I mean, it was just like, these are all the guys I had been watching on TV for years. These are all the guys I had been playing with in Madden video game for years. I mean, it was just, it was, it was kind of hard not to stare 
you know, because you just, you're so used to only seeing them on TV. It was weird. And, and how, how were you treated initially in terms of that kind of, was it a case that the respect was eventually built up? Were, uh, kind of, what, how were you kind of treated as a, as a kind of undrafted rookie kind of in camp? Yeah, I mean, you're bottom of the barrel. Uh, nobody really cares about you at all. You know, you're irrelevant. Um, but I kind of got off to a fast start. And I always tell the story, like, my first one-on-ones were against LeVar Arrington. And um, I, 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 he's so fast that I kicked out really fast to not get beat around the edge, and he beat me inside. So then I kicked out again. And this time I waited on him, and he went up and under right into me, and I was able to block him. But he kept bull rushing me, Lawrence, with his helmet, like right in my chest. So the only thing I could grab was his throat. And I, 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 that's just where my hand went. And I, I think you learn something about yourself in those situations. And I squeezed as hard as I could. I mean, I, I tried to rip his Adam's apple out. I squeezed as hard as I could. <laughs> And I always tell the rest of the story, the whole rest of the practice, LeVar is looking at me and pointing at me and saying stuff to Daryl Green and Bruce Smith. And this is my first practice ever. So I'm thinking, this is not good. Like, I don't know what's about to happen here, but this is, I, I don't know, this is not good. So we get in the locker room after practice, and he's talking to Kennard Lang and Champ Bailey, and he's still pointing at me. And his locker – is right next to the shower. So I'm thinking, oh, man, this isn't good. Like, it's one thing when I had the helmet on. It's another thing now when I'm about to walk by him naked. So I'm walking, and he looks at me, he says, yo, Princeton. And I said, yeah. He said, uh, going for my throat and stuff, huh? He didn't say stuff, Lawrence. Use your imagination. I said, yeah. He said, I like that, and gave me a fist bump. And so I learned my first day that they really respect violence and a willingness to be violent. And so that was something I learned right away. And, uh, you know, that served me well throughout my career. I, I thought he, we were going to get in a fight. I thought it was going to be trouble. But instead, it was the opposite. He, was, he liked that I did that. And it was a, it was a compliment. It's, it's basically flight or fight, isn't it? Kind of There's no question about it. It is not um, – I, I like to tell people it is not a normal working environment. Okay. So then that you, you had the preseason, and then talk to us about that first kind of regular season game. Who, who, can you remember who you played and kind of you know, how, that, how that kind of played out, that first regular season game for you? So – well, the first regular season game we played at the San Diego Chargers, and I did not suit up for the game. Um, I was inactive for the game. So the crazier moment for me was actually my first preseason game because I hurt my knee in training camp in a, in a goal line drill. So I actually missed the first preseason game that was at Kansas City. So now it's the second preseason game, but my first, home against the Falcons. And if you remember, this is 2001. So the Falcons had just been in the Super Bowl a couple years earlier, you know, and they had an awesome-looking D-line with Shane Dronette and Travis Hall and Patrick Kearney and Aaron Smith. 
They all looked like they were about 6'6", 290, chiseled. It was crazy. So they tell me I'm going to play the second half at, at left tackle. I'm like, okay, and, which isn't good because I hurt my right knee. I got to push off my right knee. So that's less than ideal. And I'm watching, and Chris Samuels, our starting left tackle, gets hurt on like the fourth play. And I think they're not going to put me in with Jeff George and Steven Davis and Stephen Allen. But Marty Schottenheimer looks at him and he's like, get in there. I'm like, okay. So I run in the huddle and I'm looking around and I'm like, what the heck is going on here? I mean, now I had not taken one snap with any of those guys. Wow. Not one. And now I'm going against the Falcons D-line. Oh, man, it was crazy. And I ended up playing and playing pretty decently for a while until the fourth quarter where I go to punch this guy named Chuck Wiley. And Chuck Wiley, I go to punch him, you know, a, a football punch with two hands, uh, offensive line punch, and he does this, like, um, swat chop thing. And, I'm, and all I know is I hurt my hand. I'm like, ow, ow. And I think that I dislocated my finger. But I had never done that before. So I tell the guy next to me who went to Michigan, I'm like, I think I dislocated my finger. He's like, pop it back in. I'm like, okay. So I try to pop it back in, and all I feel is crunching. I mean, it is brutal. So I play two more plays with my left hand kind of holstered and just kind of put my right arm out there, come off the field, take my glove off, and my bone on my hand is sticking out through the skin. I had tried to pop a broken bone back in into place. That hurt, Lawrence. I don't recommend that. And so then I had to get an X-ray and get a cast. And I mean, I had a rough start to the NFL, man. Rough start, but somehow I still made the team. Thank goodness. I mean, I've I've seen players with cast. You know, um, Bob Kuchenberg, the old Dolphins lineman. He had a massive cast on in the Super Bowl. I remember him just just blocking the out of people with his cast on his arm so you know that's pure sign of toughness that is so you, you've I mean in terms of the teams that you've played for that's you know six six teams that you're on the team for um so who who were your favorite out of out of those teams and and what what do you think in terms of the teams had the best culture the most kind of positive environment where you wanted to stay where, where you could well so it's interesting people are always surprised by this for those people that you know don't listen to the Ross Tucker football podcast or any of my other podcasts or aren't that familiar with me um, I played for the Redskins Cowboys Bills Patriots and Browns and people are always surprised that my favorite team out of that group was the Buffalo Bills I absolutely loved playing for the Buffalo Bills now part of that is I started the most games there. I made the most money there. And that's sort of the one team where fans will say to me, hey, Ross, we appreciate what you did here. All the other teams, it was kind of quick. I didn't start that many regular season games, so they don't really remember me that well. But that's not the case for the, um, for the Buffalo Bills. People remember me there. So that was my best experience. That was my favorite team. Certainly not the Cowboys. Uh, I didn't like the culture when I was there. Um, I really liked the football culture when I was in New England. Um, but 
it's very much a uh, negative reinforcement atmosphere there. So I didn't really care for that that much. Um, I, I love Marty Schottenheimer. I, I think Daniel Snyder made a horrible mistake firing Marty Schottenheimer after one year. He had a tremendous culture. We started out 0-5, ended up going 8-8 eight and eight that year. We went 8-3 and three in our last 11 games with, uh, with um, Tony Banks as our quarterback. Snyder never should have fired Schottenheimer. That was the best culture and environment. I would have loved to have played for Schottenheimer in Washington forever. Cool. So, I mean, we, we, a lot of people now know you for all your fantastic media work, the Ross Tucker podcast that that's obviously expanded in terms of the, the amount of podcasts that you do and your sort of television appearances over in the States. So what, at what point did you kind of go, right, in terms of my playing days, I've got to think of a, a post NFL career. When, when did that kind of penny drop in terms of, potentially going into the media and making a basically a second career out of this yeah so what's interesting about it is I always wanted to be in the media my dad is not a big man he's five feet nine inches tall 170 pounds I'll let you guys do the the uh, conversions there but he's not he's not very big so I never thought I'd be an NFL player I always thought I would try to be in the media but then in college, I had some finance offers. In the NFL, I was always looking at what I was going to do after football. I had an internship every offseason, always realizing football was just a temporary thing. And the last year, I thought, you know what? I'm going to do – the NFL had this broadcasting boot camp I heard about. And I thought even if I just do something small on the side, I want to do something football-wise. So that's what I did. Uh, I went to the broadcasting boot camp. It went well. I was actually back with the Redskins at this point, the 2007 Joe Gibbs Redskins, and I hurt my neck in the preseason. Career was over. Started writing for Sports Illustrated. ESPN hired me away to write for them. They asked me to host their podcast. And after a couple of years, I went out and started my own, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, which is pretty much daily. You know, a former player telling you what's going on in the NFL you know, in about 30 minutes or so. Then after a year, I realized how popular fantasy football was. So I started the Fantasy Feast podcast, which people love. The next year, I knew how important sports betting was and betting on NFL games. I started the Even Money podcast and then the College Draft podcast, which obviously people are into, especially this time of year. Andrew Brandt does the Business of Sports podcast. So I've kind of grown a, uh, a whole – podcast network over at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found it's fun i love it yeah i mean absolutely massive respect so I, I first started listening to you um when you're in the four letter network um and it was you and pod vader so how how's the relationship going um in 2020 with with pod vader do you still do you still get in touch do you still kind of talk to each other yeah, we've talked a couple times over the past month, actually, uh, you know, about potentially working together in different capacities, doing different things together. So, yeah, absolutely. Always talking with Pod Vader. You know, we'll go months without talking, but then we'll talk again a couple times in a short period of time. Cool. And then your, your current kind of right-hand man, Brian. Um, you got a lot of love for Brian. Talk, talk to us about Brian. Yeah, so Brian's awesome. You know, he's not like a diehard football guy. He's a he's a diehard 
um, audio guy, you know, engineer and producer. And so I've known him from all the games I do on the radio. And he used to produce all the games I would do on the radio. And I told him, you know, I was getting into the podcast thing and he was interested in it. He wanted to get involved. And so he's been my partner over at RawStucker.com and RT Media since day one. And he is a tremendous partner to have. And any tweet you ever see from at RTF podcast, that is from Brian. That's coming from him. Awesome. So obviously we've got a lot of things on hold at the moment in terms of globally. But what's the what's the Ross Tucker plan for the upcoming 2020 NFL season in terms of your commitments that you've already made? Have we got enough time to talk about them? <laughs> well, obviously, I'll keep doing the podcasts. I have a, a show I'm doing a couple times a week for Radio.com called You Better You Bet. I write a weekly column for The Athletic. And then for the season – Man, there better be a season, Lawrence. It would not be good if there was not a season. But for the season, I'll be doing the Eagles preseason games again um, on television. I'll hopefully be doing college football for CBS Sports Network again. I'll be doing NFL games for Westwood One, Eagles pregame for WIP Radio there in Philadelphia. So very much looking forward to it. we got to have a season, Lawrence. I, I, can't t- I, I can't handle not having a football season. I was going to say, I mean, it, we've obviously had all the other major um, American sports networks just put on pause, but because of the NFL schedule, it's kind of, it, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's business as usual, with the exception of people turning up in ludicrous suits for the draft, you know, we, 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 everything's kind of happening. Um, well, apart from obviously, you know, scouts, we you know, can't go out and visit and you know we can't you can't come into the facility but i assume that players have got the ability to train at home and be disciplined and kind of if well you, if it depends you, on how, what you have access to it depends yeah. on what you really have access to i think different guys have different equipment that they have access to right now so the workouts probably vary for both the prospects and the veteran players well, if you're Tom Brady, you've got kind of probably a three-story gym in the back garden. But, you know, so if, if this would have happened, if COVID would have happened, say, when, when you were playing, what, what would you have done in terms of your routine? What, what do you think players are going through now, not, not just physically, but psychologically? Because I think it's all about the kind of well-being as well, which is a huge thing as part of kind of being isolated and, and being at home. Yeah, I think um, it's another situation like a lot in life where only the mentally tough will really be able to thrive. You know, most football players are in their 20s and they believe that they're invincible. So I'm sure they're taking all the precautions, but I don't think they're that worried about, you know, really getting sick. I think they're more worried about making sure they're in shape and ready to go football-wise. And and so – kind of in terms of your routine that you would have kind of during the off season, would you have it kind of mapped out pretty strictly in terms of what you'd be doing around about kind of March, April time? What, what would be your sort of, what would have been your routine in terms of going from one end of season preparing for a next season? So when I was a player, they actually already would have had the off season program right now. So I'd already be back in the city 
where I was playing, eating free breakfast and free lunch and working out with the uh, trainers. Nowadays, though, I think, again, depending on how much equipment I had, I think I'd be doing a lot of push-ups, a lot of body weight squats, and a lot of position-specific work to try to make sure I'm in shape for whenever they turn this thing back on. And fingers crossed, it all just happens. So, you know, it's, it's been an absolute honor, Ross. And if there's anything that you want to um, plug in terms of any links, um, any Twitter handles, just go for it. So I mentioned most of it already. Highly encourage you guys to check out the different podcasts I have available at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found, including however you're listening to this one. You can also check me out, Twitter, Instagram, at Ross Tucker NFL. Facebook is facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Lawrence, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks go to both Ross Tucker and Lawrence for getting that one. I really enjoyed that. Um, if it's one thing I know is Lawrence knows his history as well. So um, the ballpark pouch, I literally have no idea what that was. So I'm going to go and find out what that was. But yeah, thanks again to both of those. Uh, Ross Tucker is a great guy. Go and check out all his podcasts. He's got plenty of opinions, plenty to talk about. Just before I let you go, a couple of bits of full 10 yards housekeeping. Don't forget, you can get 10% over off at NFL Europe Shop with code full. 10 and that's on absolutely anything ladies and gents so go and um go and take advantage of all the sales and get an extra 10 percent off as well don't forget to check out our other nfl podcasts where sean is and rob and another uh, lot of full 10 yards crew are on the podcast going through the way too early divisional predictions currently going through the AFC at the moment and the NFC will be on a bit later in the week uh, heading into next week as well and talking of this week and next week we have Britball week uh, so any Britball fans out there like a bit of Britball we are touring the country talking to loads of head coaches talking to loads of players all things Britball and obviously some content on there on the website as well and keep your eyes peeled for a bit of college content um, going to be doing a podcast soon where we look at how free agency has affected the first round of the NFL draft and lots of good college content coming your way as we head still yeah all, all, all roads point to the draft just only a couple of weeks away now but that's going to do it for today's podcast hope you enjoyed it please go and give us a subscription give us a rating a five-star review as well over on apple Podcasts. that would be that would make my day uh, in, in times where we've got a bit more time on our hands please that would be that would be fabulous but i'm going to stop talking and i will be back very soon indeed but in the meantime I've been Timothy Lambert Monk, and in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's a bye-bye for now. A bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com. Do you love NFL football fun and booze? Join us at Thurston Gold Podcast every Saturday night for weekly NFL coverage, whiskey, bourbon, scotch, and beer reviews. We mix expert football analysis with signature drinks, original segments, and lots and lots of laughs. Yes, that's right, football fans. Please join us at Thurston Gold Podcast by heading over to thurstongold.buzzproud.com or search Thurston Gold on the web. If you're tired of boring podcasts, come join our football party.